It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian. What's up, faithful? It's another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. It is a victory Friday, Al. The 49ers kicked the shit out of the New York Giants on Thursday Night Football. And we are going to break it down, talk about what we liked. I think it's going to be hard to find things that we didn't like, at least once the game was over. But uh, I know it was a late night for you. This is Thursday night football. Uh, how did you enjoy watching that game? 13 straight regular season wins for this team. The way I felt watching that game was, I feel like it was never in doubt. When it was 17 to 12, I rolled my eyes. I was like, all right, so what? They're going to come down and score. They're going to win this game by two, three scores. It's just how confident I feel in a team that scored 30 or more points uh, in the last six regular season game, which is the longest streak in the last 10 years. They've scored 30 or more in nine of the last 12. Um, They've outscored their opponents 90 to 42 over the first three games. And they're actually... uh, the third team to start 3-0 in NFL history while scoring the same number of points, points in each game. They scored 30 in each game. Uh, the 07 Patriots and the 36, 1936 Steelers are the other two teams to do that. So this has become a, a, company. A, for me, Brian, this team is just like I, I, I've been saying it. They're better than most teams. I felt like this was like watching, I don't know, an SEC team play some random college team, other college team where the score is close and you're like, all right. It's just a matter of time before they're up by three. So that's three scores. That's the way I felt. The Giants were hanging in there. It was a Thursday night game. The Niners were a little sloppy in the beginning and at times, but but it's Thursday. The, you know, that stuff happens. But there's just not enough talent on the Giants to keep up with the Niners. There's there's just not. And that's the way I felt during the entire game. I just felt I enjoyed it thoroughly because I felt the entire time there is no way this other team can compete with the 49ers. Yeah. And, you know, after the game, you know, I tweeted this out and, and I still believe this and I still you know, I don't even feel like this is a homer take, which I was accused of uh, when I tweeted it. But, you know, uh, we're going to want to compare this game and this result against the Cowboys and the Giants result from week one, right? Because, again, we look at two teams that that are really standing in the way of the 49ers and representing the NFC in the Super Bowl, and that's the Eagles and the Cowboys. And I would say that the Cowboys right now look better or or at least scare me more than than the Eagles currently do. Now that could change as the season progresses. We know about Dallas. We know they lost Trayvon Diggs for the season to a torn ACL yesterday in practice, which is definitely going to affect that defense. But you know, you look at this game, the 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 Cowboys played the Giants in week one. They had weeks to prepare, technically had a whole offseason to prepare. And they beat that team 40 to nothing. They did not allow the Giants into the end zone or to kick a field goal. But of those 40 points, 14 of them came uh, from defense and special teams. They had a pick six and they had a blocked field goal for a touchdown. So you could argue that the 49ers offense scored 30 against the New York Giants defense, whereas the Cowboys offense scored 26, meaning that the 49ers offense performed better against this Giants defense and that the Cowboys defense performed better than the 49ers did, largely because the Giants had Saquon Barkley and left tackle Andrew Thomas for that week one game. They did not have that 
against the 49ers. But I think when you compare games like that, there is context to be had. And the context is this. Week one versus a Thursday night game after two straight road games and a Thursday night game after a hard-fought victory over a division rival on Sunday. And so what I said was, I don't want to take anything away from that Dallas performance. It was very impressive. But I think this performance from the 49ers was equally as dominant, right? Is 40 to nothing look prettier than 30 to 12? Sure. And I, I won't I won't argue that. But I just think with context, this was equally as dominating as the Cowboys. And I think it's it's still it's still the Cowboys and the 49ers as the class of the NFC. You could argue right now the class of the NFL. And I don't think there was anything to take away from this game that would make you feel like the 49ers aren't prohibitive favorites to, to make it to the Super Bowl this season. Dude, the 49ers had more yards after the catch than the Giants had total yards. Yes. The Niners had 201 yards after the catch. The Giants had 150 total yards. They outgave the Giants 441 to 150 in this game. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I know the score was close at the beginning of the second half, but this game mm -hmm. never, never, never felt in doubt to me. Not, not, not for a second. Niners were nine yeah. for 16 on third downs. Their defensive line, and I know you want to talk later a little bit about adjustments that that they made in the second half. Their defensive line absolutely dominated. The PFF grades: Hargrave was 93. He had five pressures. Bosa was 92.8. He had six pressures. Each of them had a sack apiece. Eric Armstead, 91.5 rating. He had three pressures. Uh, Javon Kinlaw added four pressures. They were just absolutely dominant up front. They just, the, the Giants had no chance to win this game. No chance. And also, Brian, I, I like, you know, I'm a Purdy guy. I'm, yes. I'm a big Brock Purdy guy. And he started out slow in this game, for sure. The first drive, mm -hmm. definitely, he was off. There were almost a couple throws that got intercepted. He just looked really uncomfortable in the first drive. And he started out the game five for 11, 46%, with 6.2 yards per attempt. He finished the game 20 of 26, 77% and 9.3 yards per attempt. And, and I really thought after he looked uncomfortable, uncomfortable initially, he settled in. Both of the TD, TD throws were dimes, absolute oh. dimes on both of them, great yeah. throws. But the reason why I think he was he was maybe jittery or off or whatever you want to you want to call it early is because he was under so much pressure. The Giants were were blitzing constantly. They blitzed on 33 of his 39 dropbacks, um, according to Next Gen Sports, which mm -hmm. was I'm sorry, Next Gen Stats. So 84.6% they blitzed, yep. which is the highest blitz rate um, in the next gen stats era. So they were blitzing like crazy. And Purdy yeah, adjusted. He got seasons. the last 10 seasons. Yeah. 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 So um, Purdy adjusted. He was getting the ball out in a career, uh, career high or whatever, career fastest 2.34 seconds. So he was mm -hmm. adjusting, getting the ball out quickly. Um, he was 20 of 31 for 247 yards and two TDs versus the blitz. He continues to absolutely excel in intermediate throws. He was six for seven last night on throws between 10 and 19 yards for 115 yards and a touchdown. And for the season, Brian, on intermediate throws, 10 to 19 yards, he's 19 for 21, 324 yeah. yards, two TDs, and 150.5 rating. And again, last night, I tweeted out real early, like first half, I didn't think he played particularly well to start the game. But he 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 really settled in, and it's Thursday night. Thursday night games are wonky. He was getting a lot of right. pressure. Like 
again, I feel like people who criticize Purdy or just some of the Niner quarterback play in general, I guess, they don't watch other teams. Did anybody watch the Monday night games? Those quarterbacks were awful. Those offenses were awful. Deshaun Watson and Kenny Pickett were terrible in that game. Bryce Young looks like the game's moving too fast for him. Derek Carr didn't, didn't play well. There's a lot of bad quarterback play in the league. Yeah. Brock Purdy had his ups and downs in this game, but he settles in. He makes adjustments. He's a special kind of player, so it's not always going to look absolutely perfect. But the guy adjusts, man. He is the third youngest player to throw for 700-plus yards and with four TDs and zero interceptions over his first three games. The other two are Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. There's the only two who are younger, I should and say. And that was during Lamar Jackson's – that was during, yeah, Lamar Jackson's MVP year. Their MVP years. So Purdy, yeah. in going back to that Dolphins game when he came in and through the playoffs, he has 20 touchdowns and three interceptions. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, that's pretty good. I, th I think that's good, 20 and three. So are there going to be ups and downs with him? Sure. He's a young quarterback. Absolutely going to be ups and downs. He's 23 years old. But the long and the short of it is, man, the Niners have their starter. Last night was another night for me where he starts the game and I'm like, oh, he didn't look good. Like, is yeah. this going to spiral out of control? Is he going to throw some bad picks? And he almost had a couple on that first drive. But then he settled in. He adjusted. Mm -hmm. And that's all mm -hmm. you can ask for. And, again, I, I was I was encouraged with him once again and just – I try to stay off the social media with stuff, but you do see it and you do hear it. There was a lot of people like like knocking him. I just keep thinking, do do you watch do people watch other games? Do you only watch highlights of Josh Allen and be like, oh, that dude does that every play? It's not like that. <laughs> people have and flow throughout a game. People adjust. Yeah. You have bad drives, you have good drives. It's human, they're human beings. So I, I just I'm a big purdy guy. I like what I see and, and I like the adjustments he made in this game. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> I was talking to a buddy yesterday prior to the game. Um, and then I was talking with Ryan Hensley, another content creator who covers the 49ers has a YouTube show. Uh, I was on with him this morning and, you know, talking about this idea of how we, how we view quarterbacks, right. And how we, we are so desperate, right. As fans to rank these quarterbacks in hierarchies and, and all of these things. And, and we are so desperate to isolate their performance outside of the context of their team so that we can somehow determine which one of these guys is the best. And ultimately in my mind, I'm like, why, why do we, why do we do this? Like, what is, what is the point of this? You know, and the, I've heard questions like if you drop Brock Purdy on X team, is he going to be good? And I'm starting to feel like the, the more he plays, the more that answer becomes yes. But currently, we still don't know that answer. But but here's the thing. I don't know if you guys know this. Brock Purdy is the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. So the way that he plays quarterback matters for the 49ers in the system they run, not the Bills in the system they run or the, you know, or the Patriots in the system they run or put whatever team you want to put in there. And I think I think that is that is the context that is missing when we try and make this grandiose statement about Brock Purdy as a quarterback, make a value judgment on who he is and rank him against other QBs. And it's like, he's not asked to do 
the things that Patrick Mahomes is, is asked to do. He's asked to do the things that Kyle Shanahan asked him to do. And you know what? He does it really, really, really well. Like, really well. And I think, I've always said that that up to this point, Brock Purdy's best asset is what's on his shoulders. And I, I, and I still believe that. And it's not just what's on his shoulders. It's what's between his ears as well. And that not only means his football IQ, his ability to, you know, digest the playbook, you know, he, he already operates this offense with an institutional level knowledge that is very impressive for how young he is and how little time he's been in the league and with the team. But not only that, it's his unflappability. It's his unflappability in big moments. He doesn't shrink. He doesn't shrink in prime time. He doesn't shrink. He didn't shrink in the playoffs. He didn't shrink on Thursday night in Seattle with the division on the line and a broken rib, right? No moment is too big for him. But not only that, he's unflappable when his play is poor. And that first drive, it was. It just, it was. He threw two balls on that first drive that should have been intercepted. One was broken up by George Kittle, and I loved, I absolutely loved that Kittle broke that up and then did the DB seatbelt celebration that a lot of DBs do when they get past breakups. I was like, God, I love George Kittle. He's 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 great. He's great. He's so great. But And then the other one, too, I believe it was Debo in the uh, the end zone that, again, should, should or could have been intercepted. And then I think there was one other ball maybe on the second drive that, again, could have been or sh- – oh, the ball that was tipped up. Again, not his fault, not Purdy's fault. Uh, that ball hit Debo in the hands, but the DB had his hand there at the same time. It popped up. Ronnie Bell got it, which, by the way, Ronnie Bell, shout out Ronnie Bell, loved the game that he had, love him as a player, love that he's on the team. But So there were three, three turnover-worthy plays. And then a couple missed throws, right? And and you can attribute that to a couple things, but I think it's this. Again, he was he was blitzed on eighty four point six percent of his throws, and he started five of fourteen against that. And you would think to yourself, man, if you're a quarterback and you know they're just bringing pressure after pressure after pressure, and you are less than fifty percent on your throws. That can get in your head. And for Brock Purdy, it didn't because he started five of 14 and then ended 20 of 23 against the Blitz. Like, again, just unflappable, even when his play is is down. And that's, I think, you can't teach that. You can't, I want to argue, it'd be hard to scout that. Because I was thinking the other day, right? There are going to be people who are going to try to find the next Brock Purdy. And what is that going to look like? And and honestly, I I don't know that you can. And I don't know that you can because just like you're trying to find the next Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. what Patrick Mahomes does is more than just the acrobatic throws and things like that. It is between his ears, just like it is for Brock Purdy. And so, again, is he the most physically gifted quarterback? No, he is not. But what he is is a massive upgrade over the guy that operated this offense really well from 2019 until last season in Jimmy Garoppolo. He plays very similarly to Jimmy Garoppolo, except one, 
He's willing to attack deeper in the field. He's got more moxie than Jimmy Garoppolo does. He makes better decisions than Jimmy Garoppolo does. He takes care of the ball better. And he has better pocket awareness and escapability than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think about when I think about escapability, the play that comes to mind uh, is that that uh, again, he threw some dimes in this game. The corner mm-hmm. out to Debo for a touchdown, very similar to that throw to Ayuk. Beautiful throw. The throw to Ronnie Bell for the touchdown, a beautiful throw. The throw to Christian how, McCaffrey how many, that he dropped for a touchdown many, was a beautiful throw. How many seventh-round QBs are throwing t- TD passes to seventh-round rookie receivers None. in the second quarter or whatever it was of an NFL game? It's just it's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And That's the first thing I thought about when you threw that. I'm like, yeah. that was just two seventh rounders yep. making plays like that. Yeah. This team, what they do in late rounds is unbelievable. Yeah. So, but the throw that I think was almost most impressive and again talks about his pocket awareness is that throw to George Kittle, uh, where it was an out route and pressure was coming from his right side and Purdy sidestepped to the left, like three steps to give himself like half a second and then layered a beautiful throw over the uh, intermediate defender and right into George Kittle's hands for a first down. And I just thought to myself, this kid, I mean, it, he's the real deal guys. Like mm-hmm. it's been 11 games. I I'm not ready to, you know, I'm not ready to, to just be like crown him and whatnot, but I think he's the real deal. And, and I think it would be very difficult to be intellectually honest. If you're ranking Brock Purdy, and rank him anywhere lower than between 10 and 15 when it comes to uh, quarterbacks in the NFL right now in 2023. Yeah, I looked at it the other day, and I, I think the lowest you could maybe have him is is, is 15. And I yeah. again, everybody go look at QBs. Maybe we could do the exercise. We won't do it this show, but maybe we could do it another show. There just aren't, you know, do you like Cousins more than him? Do you like Goff more than him? Do you like, do some people maybe like Geno Smith, the way Geno Smith is playing more than him right now? I personally don't like Geno Smith more than Purdy. Yeah. But you can make arguments for Cousins and Goff. Those guys are all in like the 12 to 15 range, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's about where, where I where I think he is. And he's better than yeah. half the league. There's there's no doubt yeah. about that right now. There, there oh, really no isn't. Doubt. Like you said, it's the moxie. It's it's the way he rebounds. So people are going to nitpick. People want to be right. You know, people want to have their takes. But mm-hmm. the proof, like you said, it is on the field. It really is. And, okay, well, yeah, the Niners have stars everywhere. Kyle Shanahan calls calls the great games. Well, they haven't done this previous to him. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't put up numbers like this. The the games didn't look this way with Garoppolo. They never did. And two of the four of them didn't look this way with the, I know, well, McCaffrey. Yeah, McCaffrey makes a huge difference. But two of the four that Jimmy had with McCaffrey didn't look this way. And I, I'm glad they played They played against the Chargers and the Saints who have really good defenses. Well, Purdy's done this against good defenses too. The Steelers mm-hmm. have a good defense. The mm-hmm. Commanders have a good defense last year. Yep. You know, he's he's done it too. So, um, And we've also seen him big games in the playoffs going and play well. Again, that Dallas game to me was a was a heavyweight fight where he didn't have his best stuff. And he, he still made plays. He still made the plays he needed to to win. So the guy's and got two playoff the wins under his belt. He's, he's, he's playoff tested. He's battle tested. We're 11 games into this right now. It just, it is stop nitpicking. And if you're a 49ers fan and you're trying to nitpick this, enjoy the ride, just enjoy yeah. the ride. And if he plays poorly at times, you know what? He's going to play poorly. He's probably gonna have a few shit games this year. It's going to happen. Happens 100%. to everybody. So enjoy that. This ride. I, I was say I liked this stat from Matt Mayoko last night, uh, since his last interception, including the postseason, uh, Brock Purdy is 125 of 190. 
for 1,636 yards with 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, and a passer rating of 110.3. Well, I mean, wow, that's, that's crazy. Crazy. Like, the and proof is in the pudding, right? Interceptions. Uh, again, yeah. watch other games. There are almost interceptions every week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, we, we those don't count. Joe Montana almost threw an interception in Super Bowl 23. Nobody talks about that. It went through the guy's hands in the end zone. We don't, that's part of the game. It's part of the game. It's how you rebound from stuff like that. So, and you mentioned Kittle too, Brian. Kittle always shows up in prime time. He can just, it seems like whenever he needs to turn it on, he can turn it on. And we talked about last show what a good teammate he is to stay in the background because the guy's a superstar and he's let, you know, he lets Ayuk and Debo, not that he lets them, but he doesn't complain, right? Like, right. He's just going to play his role. He's going to block. He'll, if it, he gets three targets in the game, that's what he gets. But without Ayuk in this game, he was he was involved, and he had 70, seven catches for 90 yards, 49 yak yards. Looked like George Kittle. I thought he was going to get a touchdown last night. I actually had some bets on that, actually, <laughs> that it didn't come through for me. But um, I thought that any time touchdown for George Kittle was a great bet last night, but it, it didn't happen. For me. Agreed. But, um, it was a great game for him. And Debo, Debo again, it just – had a phenomenal game. And Debo without Ayuk now, Debo had 129 yards last night receiving. He played one other game without Ayuk, which was week 12 of 2020, and he had 11 catches for 133 yards. So, again, he steps up when he needs to as well. And the two games where Ayuk was in the doghouse in 2021, Debo was 9 for 189 with a touchdown and 6, six for 93. So when they need Debo to be the focal point at wide receiver, he does it as well. And Debo looks like... He looks a little bit more like 2021 Debo to me. He does. Yeah, and you know, I said this, I said this, I think probably in the first half. And I still I still agree with it to a certain extent. But I really felt like that first half and perhaps Brock Purdy's um performance in the first half had a lot to do with Brandon Ayuk not being on the field. You know, I think Debo is awesome. I mean, he is an incredible football player, but Brandon Ayuk is an incredible wide receiver. Brandon Ayuk is a wide receiver one on any other team in the NFL outside of maybe Minnesota and Miami and Cincinnati. Like I would say those are the three teams that he's probably not wide receiver one, but any other team I would argue could probably, you, you could probably say he's wide receiver one. And part of that is because he is the guy on the team on this 49ers team who consistently can beat press coverage, man coverage can get open. Um, you know, and I think that was part of the struggle was to begin the game. The giants again, blitzing their ass off and the 49ers pass catchers weren't winning their routes. And so you saw Kyle Shanahan start to switch tactics and start to go with the quick passing game with the, you know, with the wheel routes, with the bubble screens and things like that, both to get Purdy back in rhythm, but also to counteract that, that just heavy blitz. And then the giants adjusted and said, okay, well, if you're going to do that, we're still going to blitz, but now we're going to take away, you know, those, the, the, the wide plays, right. The wheel routes, the, the bubble screens. And that's when you started seeing them attack the middle of the field again, because essentially you know, it's pick your poison with this team. And I think in the first half, I think Ayuk would have feasted uh, if he was on, if he was in the game. But I, I think you also saw why he is important to this team. And if 
Ayuk was gone for an extended amount of time, I think this team would eventually be okay. They'd figure out a way to adapt, but I, I think he's a large part of this offense that I think goes unnoticed sometimes. And, you know, I had tweeted out earlier this, uh, this week, I, I did a poll and I said, cause I was listening to, um, I think it was, I, I was just listening to another, I think it was the athletic NFL football show with Robert Mays and Nate Tice. It's one of my favorites, but they were talking about the Panthers and how the Panthers wide receiver core is, just very bad and it's Not going brutal. to it's brutal. going to really limit Bryce Young's uh growth potential especially this season and so I tweeted out and I I just put a poll and I said hypothetical trade who who would be down for Brandon Ayuk to Carolina for Brian Burns and then using the money you would use to extend Ayuk to then extend Burns and overwhelmingly I got a no way because I said, hell yes or hell no. Those were your two options. Mm -hmm. And I think after last night, I don't know. I think I, I agree with the no. I don't know that I would do that now. Because I think last night gave me a, a glimpse to what this offense would look like without Brandon Ayuk. And I think going against a better defense might have done. They might have lost that game last night. Not that the Giants' defense is is bottom of the league, and Week Martindale is a tremendous defensive coordinator, and you know he got in Purdy's head early, and I think you know Purdy's strength is recognizing everything pre-snap and knowing where he wants to go, and Martindale did a great job of disguising coverages and bringing pressure from places that he wasn't mm -hmm. expecting, and that's you know why he started five of fourteen. But uh, I think if Brandon Ayuk was in there, I think he would have had a better game and a better start to his game. And so, you know, I, I think last night was a good example of why Brandon Ayuk is important to this team. Yeah, they they need to beat Dallas. They need to beat the Eagles. That's right. that's that's what the Niners are are looking at right now. They need to beat those teams to get to the Super Bowl. Was he five of fourteen or five of eleven? I had him five of eleven to start. Um, I don't know that it matters, I, but I had I saw a stat somewhere that was five of fourteen. But oh, okay. I, it was one uh, of those again. Two. That could be wrong. Yeah, somewhere around there. But yeah, they they yeah. they need, and I think that's a good point. They're going to need Ayuk against that Dallas that Dallas defense and against the Philly defense, and and he's he he yeah. makes a big difference for sure. I think agree. I, I think he's by the end of the year we're going to be talking about him as a top ten receiver in the league. I really I really believe that. Wanted to uh, recognize McCaffrey too, who is the odds on favorite right now. That guy's pretty good. Offensive. He's he's okay. I think he's okay. I think, I think it's safe <laughs> to say he's okay. Odds on favorite right now for offensive player of the year. So he scored a touchdown last night. It's the 12th consecutive game, which ties Jerry Rice for the team record. But since 1990, the most consecutive games with a touchdown are Emmett Smith with 14. And then Smith had another streak of 13, along with Arian Foster, who also had 13. And then Ladanian Tomlinson and McCaffrey have 12. And obviously McCaffrey is 12 and counting. So he is getting into some pretty rare air right now. And if he gets a touchdown in three more games in a row, he'll he'll be tops in that in that regard right can, now. What he's done is incredible you, in this offense. Can you imagine a situation where Christian McCaffrey doesn't score a touchdown in a game? I can't imagine one right now. And that's not being mm -hmm. that's not being hyperbolic. I'm just saying this offense is built around him. Mm -hmm. So like I think he could obliterate that, you know, that record as long as, you know, with anything with this team, you know, let's yeah, I, I could see a 20 but, touchdown season for him this year. He yeah. he really, really could end up with offensive player of the year in the system. And Kyle really seems intent to, like you said, build that offense around him and get him as many touches as possible. And mm -hmm. 
it's it's awesome man he's just he's he's perfect for the system like i said on the last show like they probably want to go back in time and veto this trade in the nfl because it's, it's a yeah. cheap code with kyle so and kyle um, too brian kyle is now 45 and 24 since the start of 2019 in the regular season 45 and 24 he's got six playoff wins in that span and three of his assistants have become head coaches it's pretty damn good man it's pretty good pretty damn good it's pretty so, good yeah, so he can treat his quarterbacks, I guess, as poorly as he wants to when he's sick of them. <laughs> like I said before, I don't even think, for yeah. as fired up as, as we get about stuff, and that's part of being a fan, I don't think any of it matters anymore. No. I think this team is so good that, again, Kyle Shanahan can go around knocking old people over in, in his free time. I, I just don't think anything, I don't think it matters. I, I don't. He, this team is really well coached. They have talent everywhere. They can do things how you know he can do what, what the hell he wants to basically right now because he's just a top tier coach in the league I, to probably he's got to get the super bowl because there's guys right now who yes. have the ring you know yes. mcveigh could say you're a great coach i know you beat me during the regular season you know i i got the ring still once kyle gets that i mean he's going to sh- shoot up into a different stratosphere and right yeah. now i'm saying it man I'm, I'm so bullish on this team if they stay healthy i haven't felt this way about a 49ers team yeah, probably maybe since the 90s, dude. Like, seriously, yeah. like I feel better about them than the 2019 team. I maybe even feel better about this team than I did the 2013 team, 2012, than those two teams. So, um, the sky is just I, the limit. And, yeah, uh, I, I think I the difference, words, but I feel like the difference between this team and the 2019 team is that that 2019 team was dominant in the start of the season, 8 0, and, and they were a lot of fun, but there were, there were, I'm not going to say there were no expectations going into that season, but there we didn't know what to expect going into that season. Jimmy was coming off mm-hmm. an injury, all of it, you know, 20, 2018 was so bad, you know, once Jimmy went down and, you know, excited. I mean, you went into a season after having earned the number two overall pick. Like, you're not mm-hmm. going in with high expectations. This season, they went in with sky high expectations and all they've done so far is just meet them and that's where i feel like it feels different because it's one thing to be expected to be dominant it's another thing to be expected to be dominant and then be dominant especially in a league like the nfl mm-hmm. you know you look at the Bengals. the Bengals are on two right now right no one expected the Bengals to be on yeah. two part of that has to do with with burrow's, burrow's injury out. and it's not you know he's not He's not right, and he re-aggravated it on Sunday, so he may not even play on Monday. We don't know, but you know the Bengals are zero and two. Pittsburgh was you know one and one, but hasn't looked great. You know the Chiefs. The Chiefs haven't looked like you know as dominant. The only two teams that really were expected to be really good this season and have just met or exceeded those expectations right now are the 49ers and the Cowboys. Yeah, right now they look like the best two teams. Right, yeah. I thought the AFC was going to be way better than the NFC, but right now it looks like the Niners, it's Niners Cowboys, and I don't want to. I don't want to count the Eagles out. I don't want to count. No, them out at all. certainly like, not. They're going to be I just there. Don't they're going to get better. They just haven't looked as impressive as the 49ers and the Cowboys so far. Yeah, I think their schedule, their Eagles schedule, is pretty tough. So I see Dallas winning that division, and I think the NFC Championship is is, is going to be the Niners and Dallas. I'd be pretty surprised. But you you made a good point off air. You were talking about the adjustments that not only Kyle Shanahan makes, but Steve Wilkes has made in the past two games when the yeah. defense, especially last week, the defense didn't look very good. And those are adjustments. I thought you made some good points. I want to give you a chance to kind of hit on those. 
Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it, and you know, they the the defense was dominant from start to finish against the against the Steelers in Week One. I mean, the Steelers scored seven points; like it was just a dominant performance. And then they came out against the Rams, and you know, I think partly because of expectation, like who who's on the Rams outside of Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, who was injured, and Aaron Donald, right? I think a lot of fans expected that to be a cakewalk, and and the Rams really gave it all that they could with the 49ers, especially in that first half. And I know for me watching that game, there was a frustration level that was building with just how much the the Rams were kind of dictating to the 49ers defense in that first half. And it felt a little bit like that again in this game against the Giants, right? The Giants hadn't scored a single point in the first half of a game that they played this season. And they scored three on their first drive. And their first drive was a long drive. I think it was 11 plays or something like that. You know, they held them to three points, which was awesome. Uh, but, you know, throughout the first half, and, and, then, and then the Giants again scored a touchdown in the second quarter. And you're thinking to yourself, this offense is awful. Like, why is the defense playing this way? And I started to think about it. And one of the things that I was most impressed with with D'Amico Ryans was always his halftime adjustments. And through three weeks now, not including week one, because there wasn't many adjustments to make, but through three weeks, Steve Wilkes is displaying some of that same strategy, right? Where you go into halftime and you come out and you've made adjustments and this defense has been really suffocating in the second half uh, against the Rams, forced two turnovers uh, against Matthew Stafford in the second half, and then also forced another turnover against the Giants in the second half this uh, this game. And Kyle Shanahan, as an offensive play caller, you know, he puts his script together. And, and in, in my opinion, the first quarter for Kyle Shanahan is a fact-finding mission. If they score points on the drives that they have, great. That's gravy to Kyle Shanahan. But more, uh, more than that, what Kyle wants to do in the first quarter is get as much information as possible out of the opposing defense so that he knows how to attack its weaknesses later in the game, which is why this team has always been a second half team, both in games and arguably in the season. The offense typically starts off slow. They haven't started off slow this season, 30 points in three straight games. Impressive. But, you know, he'll, he'll throw out as tons of formations, tons of pre-snap motions, right? All in an effort to get as much information as possible so that he can come back to that same formation and that same pre-snap motion later in the game and then do something just a little bit different to attack you because of how you defended it before. And I don't know if this is just, it just wears off on his defensive coordinators or if there's a concerted effort by Shanahan to kind of have the same philosophy on the defensive side of the ball, but it certainly feels like at least with Steve Wilkes and, and, and with D'Amico Ryans as well, they're kind of doing that with the defense in the first half. And what I mean by that is they'll come out in the first half and they'll just kind of play their base defense. They'll, they'll get in their wide nine. They'll play their zones. They'll see essentially how successful their defensive line can be in getting to the quarterback, creating pressure, things like that. And if they're not in the first half, then in the second half, they come out and they start dialing up more pressures, which I think is more a Steve Wilkes thing than it was a D'Amico Ryan's thing. D'Amico didn't blitz a lot. Wilkes has started to blitz more, 
but only if they're not getting the pressure that they like. And then they'll also start to switch up coverages and things like that. And so I'm interested to see as we move forward and we go to Arizona and we look at Cowboys in week five, right? I'm going to keep an eye on that in the first half and see, hey, is this what he's doing? Is he kind of, is, is he playing vanilla in the first half so he knows how to, to essentially suffocate the offense in the second half? And then the other thing I'll be interested in is, you know, if they, if when they go up against a team that challenges them, let's say like the Cowboys in week five, if the Cowboys take a lead in the first half or whatever, going to halftime, you know, are those adjustments going to happen earlier? Are they going to happen in the first half or is it still going to be, we're going to ride it out to the second half and then, and then make those adjustments? I don't know, but I will say that I think, I think what, what I'm beginning to realize more than anything is, you know, you look at D'Amico Ryan's and that defense in Houston and it's not great. And then you looked at Robert Sala and his defense with New York, his first two seasons. And it's like, man, it's not all that great. And it just really goes to show the amount of talent on the defensive side of the ball for the San Francisco 49ers is outrageous. And that really is what matters most. It's the players that play and Wilkes is going to put them in position to succeed, but largely this defense is, is going to be good because those players are just really, really, really good. And I was looking this morning. So the Niners were recording this on a Friday. Obviously week three hasn't happened for everyone else yet. And the Niners are still 11th in the league in total defense points given up. And they've played one yeah. more game than everybody else. Right. And they're 11th right. currently. So after the weekend, Dallas, Dallas has only given up 10 points this year. They'll still probably mm -hmm. be number one, but the Niners mm -hmm. will likely be number two in points allowed. They've only had one turnover this year that they've committed and they've forced five. So that's pretty damn good right now. You're plus yep. four. Um, and they're second in the league in scoring at the moment. Or, no, I'm sorry, third at 30 points a game. So they're still going to be right up there in points scored and you're but right again, up there in points allowed. It's a pretty good combination when you're putting up 30 a game and you're only giving up 12. 30 a game through three games. Those other two teams that are ahead of them is whatever they've scored in two games. Well, that's so, a, that's average. Yeah, that's average. I'm averaging. Right. So it's like per game. That's average. what I'm yeah. saying. So, so who knows what they're going to do? Yeah. Who, who's first and second right now? Uh, first is, I, I think, might have been the Cowboys one. I got to go back and look. Hold on. Wait, hold on. Yeah, Cowboys are averaging 35 a game. Packers are averaging 31 a game. I don't think that's going to continue. And then the Niners and the Dolphins are at 30 a game. Eagles 29, Chargers 29. So that's the top. Yeah. So, you know, the, so the Cowboys have scored 70 points in two weeks and the, uh, Charger or the Packers have scored, you said 31, 31. Okay. So 62 yeah. points in two weeks. Yeah. So in order for the Packers to stay at 31, they're going to need to put up another 31 points. And in order for the Cowboys to stay at 35, they're going to have to put up another 35 points. So I don't see that happening. Maybe, but I don't see it happening, which means I think the 49ers could end up, well, and we'll see what Miami does, but I think the 49ers will end up first or second probably. It's possible. But I'll, I'll tell you what, man, I just, the Cowboys have the Cardinals and the Patriots coming up. Those should be two wins for them. And the yeah. Niners have the Cardinals coming up. So that game and i'm trying not to, to you know jump ahead there's still there's still another couple weeks to play here but that game against the cowboys both of those teams going four and oh and it looks that way it's just going to be a gigantic gigantic game i i, I cannot wait to watch when do the game. cowboys play the patriots 
the Cowboys play the Patriots week four after San Francisco, right? Before, so they have the Cardinals this week, and then they have the Patriots. Oh, Cardinals. Okay, that's right. The Thursday through me. They, off. Thursday through. Yeah, and off. then they play the Niners at uh, yeah week five. This is the Sunday night game, right? Yeah, Sunday yeah. night. So um, so that's just going to be. I mean, I, I can't wait to see the ratings for that game. Probably going to be ridiculous. Uh, it's going to be outrageous. Yeah. The NFL. How happy is the NFL right now that the Niners and the Cowboys are this? Like, oh, they're that's what that's what you want. They're they're, they're so juiced. <laughs> Praying for it for the playoffs. I mean, it's it just it gives you yeah. it gives you nineteen early nineteen nineties vibes. It's 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 really fun. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I hate the Cowboys, man. Cowboys and Giants. With, I hate with them. a passion. I hate them with a passion. Yeah, both of those teams have broke broke my heart way too much. So, all right, Brian, you got anything else? Are we out of here? No, I just uh, again, you know, uh, if if for whatever reason you are a Forty Nine er fan and you are listening to this and you are still on the fence about Brock Purdy. I think it's time for you to climb down. Um, and, you know, like you said, he's going to have some games. I mean, last game, right, against the Rams, not great. Didn't throw any touchdowns or whatever. And and maybe you consider that a bad game, but this offense is putting up 30 points a game, man. Literally, and it's just the offense. They haven't scored a, they haven't scored a, a special team touchdown. They haven't scored a defensive touchdown. So even even that Cowboys stat is a little misleading because 14 of those points are special teams and uh, and defense. So they aren't really scoring 35 points a game on offense, meaning that the 49ers offense has performed better. But yeah, it's it, it again game after game. He just continues to check boxes, continues to um, just be really really impressive. And I think it's time to to really start to look at Brock Purdy and say. I think he's I think he's the real deal. Just enjoy it, you clowns. Just enjoy it. I'm the most <laughs> pessimistic person in the world and I'm I'm like this team's awesome. I there's nothing to complain about right now. So just enjoy yes, it, have fun. It's gonna be like a 12, 13 win season, and then we'll sweat when the playoffs come. There's no need no need to sweat until that I don't think so. So agreed. All right, man. We're out of here. Brian, I'm Al. Later. Nine, zero, three. One, two, three. Nine, zero, three.